0: Y'all, it's Betsy with the Dickey Foundation, and you're listening to Dickey's Doing Good, the podcast where we tell good stories about good people doing good things in the community. I'm thrilled because my guest today is Detective Angela Arredondo. She has been with Dallas Police Department for 23 and a half years and currently works with the Explosive Detection Unit and her canine partner, Apollo, at Dallas Love Field. She is also a board member for the Assist the Officer Foundation and started Kate's Books, a nonprofit, with her daughter. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Well, wonderful. Yeah. And we do have Apollo here in the room. So he is a, he's a German short hair por- pointer and her partner. You all have been
1: partners for. How long we've been partners for two years and he we are stationed out at love field but he um, is bomb detection so he's a bomb dog oh very cool good yeah. news he's not hitting on anything
0: here nothing uh, here yes we've got some spice rubs which smell good to him but nothing nothing weird here yes, <laughs> but, <ma'am. laughs> but so for those folks who don't know you quite as well as I do tell us about yourself and how
1: you came to be where you are now all right my name is Angela obviously I have a um, I've grown up with the police department, actually. My father was a 41-year veteran of DPD. Um, He also has a twin brother that did just as long in the police department. He was 10 years with sheriff's office first, and then he did 31 years with Dallas PD as well. Um, It's kind of in my family, in my blood. I married a Dallas police officer, and then um, he now has retired from the police department and went on to be the chief of police in Victoria, Texas. So we're very proud of that. Um, It's an interesting dynamic right now, but we're making it work, and um, so that's pretty much it. I'm I'm a Dallasite, went to DISD, graduated from WTY High School, went on to college, graduated in 1998, and joined the police department in 1998. July 10th. Oh, my goodness. So yeah. 23 and a half years, 23 and a half that, years. Ha- that half matters. It's gone by so fast. <laughs> and it does matter. <laughs> Time
0: flies when you're having fun. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so now you're in a unit that works with the explosive detection canines. Talk to me about the work that you all do. I know if people see <laughs> Apollo wants to say hello. Uh, I know when people are at Love Field they and they see a uh, and they see a canine, they're they're thinking, oh, no, they're sniffing for for drugs or whatever. And they may be. But but you and Apollo, that's not what you all do.
1: We don't. And we are very much a deterrent, I would say, for, you know, anything bad going on in the world. If anyone wants to try to do plane attack, you know, like um, the shoe bomber back in the day, we are very much trying to avoid that ever happening again in the future. So... Um, His job is to make sure that no explosives get into airplanes, get onto airplanes. We do search cargo all the time, um, every day, actually. Everything that goes in the bottom of the aircraft, we have probably searched or swept But we do a lot of things outside of the airport too. any kind, anytime there's a bomb threat, um, we go to those. Any dignitary that comes into town, we sweep the route. We sweep um, the Cotton Bowl before Texas OU. We sweep aircraft for dignitaries. I just, Apollo and I just swept on Saturday morning, the Dallas holiday parade, super fun. Um, So we get to do a lot of really cool things, not just at Love Field. Our primary focus is Love Field, making sure air travel is safe, the airport is safe, but We could do a lot of things outside any bomb threat, any dignitary, any big event in Dallas. We've probably been there before the event happens. That's pretty cool that you all are getting to do that. And kind of, I mean, question, how often are you all finding things? Actually, not very often. And from my knowledge, since this program started in right after September 11th, we've had one issue that happened. Our headquarters building was um, shot up in 2015. Um, the year prior to July 7th, the, the gentleman that committed that crime had left a bomb in our parking lot. Oh. So we kind of knew it was there. We had information that it could be there. Um, but they weren't really sure at all what it was supposed to look like. I, I know that one of our dogs found that alerted on that and was pulled back. And then the uh, explosive detection, uh, the EOD team, you know, took care of that, that threat. So, um, only one time that I know of, have we actually found an explosive device. Mm-hmm. Um, we practice every single day, though. So he, we train every day. He is very good at what he does. So I trust. <laughs> I trust. Anytime we're walking in the airport or anywhere that, like right now, he is sniffing around. That we would find something if it were there. It's just barbecue sauce. It's fine, Apollo. <laughs> Sounds good to him. <laughs> right? He,
0: he likes that barbecue. Fair enough. Uh, Apollo, what's your favorite kind of barbecue? All, all right. of it. All of it? Okay, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I, I, I can't can't blame him on that. He's all about that. Uh <laughs> So in your time with DPD, right now you are with the Explosive Detection Canines and with Apollo. What have you you spent, I know you've probably had several different roles within DPD. Tell me about the various roles you've had.
1: My initial role, obviously, is every time you graduate from the police academy, you go straight to patrol. I spent seven years in patrol. I worked at Northwest Patrol. Once I got promoted, I was sent to Oak Cliff and did Southwest Patrol. Learned a lot there. I actually really learned a lot at Northwest Patrol, too. I had a good time. Um, So you're a West Sider. West Sider, definitely, <laughs> definitely a West Sider. Um, and then I was ready to kind of. Ugh. I'm going to have to tie him up. I'm sorry. Here's it's okay.
0: You. Hey, no,
1: I know you're trying to get back there, and you're all messed <laughs> up. Jeez, you're making
0: this more difficult, right? So you're currently with the uh, the, the explosive detection canines with Apollo, uh, but obviously you started out uh, as most officers do in patrol. Talk to me
1: about some of the different roles you've had with DPD. That's true. I did start in patrol. I did seven years in patrol, um, started at Northwest patrol, did all my training there. And then when I got promoted, I went to Southwest patrol and worked out cliff super fun time. I really enjoyed patrol, but you do get kind of ready to move on. Um, it is a fun job being in patrol. A lot of officers just love it and never want to leave it. I was one that kind of wanted to see what the detective stuff was like. Mm -hmm. Um, so I went to vice, I had done a lot of work, with vice and with narcotics undercover, um, as a patrol officer. So it was kind of the next natural step for me to easily move into a detective role. I spent two years in vice and then, um, got pregnant with my daughter. So my daughter was born and it was time for a more, um, the hours in vice were a little wonky. We did like, day shift and then an evening shift until two in the morning and that just wasn't going to work for my family life um and for having a young baby so once kate was born i um interviewed for the robbery unit and i went to the robbery unit and spent nine years investigating aggravated robberies business robberies individual robberies Um, we did do some other fun things like kidnappings which, can <laughs> which get people kind don't of... think as, think of as fun but i mean that, <laughs> that that's certainly an, an exciting line of work the stories are just incredible um every officer probably says at some point they should write a book because <laughs> the things that happen in our careers you could never imagine and they're like better than fiction really um so i i did um work some kidnappings they're not kid child kidnappings they were adult kidnappings. so there's always some you know drug related or some other aspect of why we're working that kind of case usually is involved so what was the most exciting kidnapping story then because you look like you've got some stories there that that, (laughs) yeah i do have a bunch of stories and unfortunately they are a lot drug related the one that that comes to the top of my head is um is a young man who it wasn't actually his drug debt it was his brother's drug debt But the brother owed the drug dealer a lot of money. And so in order to collect the money, they kidnapped the brother, um, held him in a hotel room. And we um, were real careful with the terms that we use sometimes. So we basically tracked the brother to a certain hotel room. Um, We were able to use some technology that let us know exactly where he was. And um, we went in basically with the SWAT team and and got him out safely. But there were drug dealers in there. There were weapons in there. There were, um, we knew they were, they meant business. Like they probably would have killed this kid had we not found him in time. And so um, it was one of the more exciting ones. It's once we get the call that a kidnapping happens, we work it until we find the person. We don't stop. So um, we just have to kept following leads. The FBI was involved. Um, and luckily we found the kid alive, but. I was afraid, and, we had, and and robbery
0: was the less dangerous, more predictable ver- version of being a cop rather than vice. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Okay,
1: <laughs> robbery was interesting just because you know you get a lot of serial robbers, and so and they would hit a lot of cash only businesses, you know, and and it, it became kind of fun to put the pieces together, and you know, especially they like to wear the same hat or you know they were and they'd go to different cities, and so you could pick up on the pattern a little bit and work the puzzle that way and talk to other detectives in other cities. And even in our own cities, sometimes we have so many detectives that it would get, you know, land on someone else's desk. And so it was a good time. I learned a lot in robberies and it was, um, kind of led me to a, a violent crime task force with the FBI. And i got to spend three years working partners with an FBI agent. Um, Her name is Danica and we're very close friends still. And um, I just love and respect her a lot. And we put a lot of really bad guys away for a really long time because the federal system is just so different in our day for day and they give really heavy sentences. So these guys that were terrorizing our community were put away for a very long time. That's a good feeling. That's good. I was gonna say that's gotta be really rewarding. It was rewarding, you know, and I do miss that work. I miss, I miss detective work a lot. I wouldn't change anything I'm doing now. I wouldn't go back this late in my career, but um I miss it a lot. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Now and so
0: now you're with explosive
1: detection, how long have you been
0: in in this part of this unit?
1: I was here, I've been here for two years now. I left, um, I actually went to homicide after the robbery unit. I was in homicide Just in time for July 7th. I was one of the investigators on July 7th. I was one of the investigators on Officer Santander, who was killed at the Home Depot in April of 2018. Um, And then I was one of the investigators on the Amber Geiger Botham Jean case. So that is the case. That was quite the case here in Dallas. Yes, it was. That's the case that, I mean, I was really ready to go after Santander. I was ready to leave homicide after Santander was killed. I was kind of done with, with investigating officers dying. It's very difficult. The body cam is very difficult to watch. The, the, um, you know, just the loss of your brothers is is hard to deal with. And then it's real, and you get to, you have to watch this footage of them getting murdered over and over again. And then, and then you're, it just never leaves you. It's like in see it in my brain anytime so after amber's case though it was a very stressful case um a lot of media attention the, on that yeah, one it, right and con- i mean certainly some controversy particularly I mean
0: here in dallas i mean
1: a lot of media attention a lot of social media hate came through um i had a Twitter account because I was on this show, Police Women of Dallas, while I was a robbery detective, right? So and do you have an IMDB page too? I do. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> but
0: I do. But, but so, so for folks listening who may not, who may be from outside of Dallas, give us just a,
1: a little blurb of what, what that Amber Geiger case is that we're talking about. Okay. Amber Geiger is the officer who thought she was inside from all accounts, you know, from the court testimony, from all accounts she thought she was in her own apartment when she shot and killed what she thought was an intruder, both of John, he was not an intruder. He was in his own apartment. Um, and it's just a tragic, horrible loss of a beautiful life. Like he was by all accounts, just amazing and she had an amazing reputation as well. So it's, um, I mean, a life was lost, so it is what it is, but, um, it was just a stressful case, very much a a ton of media, a lot of, um, backlash, a lot of judgment, a lot of, um, second guessing every investigative step that our team took at the time. Um, yeah, it was really stressful. And and that's gotta be really
0: hard for, for you. I mean, and since you're there trying to, to figure out, put it all together, figure out what happened and, you know, that, there's all, always different versions of, of, of stories, whether it's this case or any other case, and that, that has to be particularly hard. Um, you know, it, you've been with the department 23 and a half years and things have changed a lot. We, we didn't have social media 20, in the same way that we did 20 or 25 years ago. So, I mean, oh. talk to talk to me about how that really has changed things for you. all Well,
1: it's been important, I think, for our trust building with the community. I, I think it's given us a platform to connect with the community in a way that we haven't been before. They see maybe, you know, a little more of a human side to officers than they maybe have seen in the past. Um, we're always trying to put out community events and community engagement and just getting as involved in the community as possible, not just as an enforcement angle, but as you know, like we need the community to help us keep the city safe, whatever city you live in. Um, But it just is the partnership that's built. Social media has been important, especially with the new generation coming up. I mean, it's all social media. Mm -hmm. It's what they know. It's what they're comfortable with. It's what they use. And so we have to learn to engage them on the platforms that they prefer. Mm -hmm. So I think it's been beneficial. I think it's been, for the most part, there's always going to be some haters, you know, but for the (laughs) most part i think from my perspective that the dallas police department in particular has done a pretty good job of engaging the public through social media well one of the ways they do that is you your partner is very photogenic
0: yes, um, he, is. he doesn't so much have a human side uh since he's a, he, he's actually a dog um but but apollo is also part of your family T- talk to me about about having a canine partner
1: uh and is he different at home versus at work <laughs> Um, having a canine partner is definitely one of the most challenging things I've done in my career. I personally thought I was going to retire out of homicide. I did not ever plan to leave, but you know, things have happened that have led me to him and I feel like it's fate. So, um, he's different. He is, <laughs> um, headed sometimes he's got a mind of his own. He wants to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. Um, he's very well trained, but I, um, you know, I, there is a difference between home and work. When we're home, he's he's pretty wild when he wants to be, but pretty chill when he wants to be, too. He's asleep by 7 o'clock every night, which is great. <laughs> he eats dinner and he goes to sleep. But at work, as soon as I put on his vest, he knows it's time to work. And, and he gets in the truck and we go and we train, we practice, we have sweeps, we have different things that we do during the day. Patrol Love Field Airport, walk in the terminal, whatever it may be. And then when we get home and take the vest off, he's just goofy. But this breed in particular is just goofy. <laughs> German Shorthair Pointers have a reputation for being kind of silly dogs. Um, but he's so good at what he does, and he is different from some GSPs, and he's very um, he's very detailed in his job, like a German Shepherd, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, some GSPs are just they get kind of wound up and they start going around in circles. And but he's actually one that is really slow and meticulous, like a German Shepherd when he's working. That's really interesting.
0: Yeah. So another another family member of yours, uh, your husband Robert, <laughs> yeah, my husband Robert, uh, your husband Robert, uh, became the police chief in Victoria by just about a year ago. Right. right. And talk to me kind of about how that that's changed things for you all. I
1: mean, he's not not living in Dallas, obviously. So he's not. That, that's more challenging. Right. It is a challenge, but yeah, it's not been bad. I mean, we both are just so busy. I, you never know how it's going to go when you start something like that. We have a lot of faith and commitment to our marriage. So it wasn't a question about anything like that, but it just was, how is it going to go and how's it going to work? And we've been winging it and it's been fine. He, um, you know, he has a little house down there and he is the chief of police and he's got community events every weekend almost. And he comes home when he can. Um, we go down there when we can. Um, and we're very busy. My daughter, our daughter, Kate is now 14. She's playing club volleyball. She's about to graduate from, you know, her, um, her school, her private school that she's been in her whole life. And so there's a lot going on in her life right now. So we're very busy here. He's very busy there. And the time goes by so fast. I cannot believe he's already been there a year, but I'm so proud of him. And our whole family is so proud of him. And, you know, hopefully this job in Victoria will lead him to something back up here when he's ready to move on from there.
0: So. Well, and we know Victoria, Texas at Dickies. We've got a wonderful owner down there, Kevin. And so he's a big fan uh, of, of the Victoria Police Department. So I've, we're I've big heard, fans.
1: I've <laughs> heard of Kevin. My husband's actually mentioned him before. We're wonderful. I'm glad <laughs> yeah. to hear that. We'll hook him up with barbecue.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so you, like I you said, you had a, a very full career mm-hmm. with, with DPD. What has been the best thing about being in law enforcement for you?
1: Oh that's a really good question. Um, I mean I hate to give the same answer that probably everybody does when they get in here but it's just been you know you I personally my father taught me when I joined the police department that you have to um, really try your hardest with everything that you do and your reputation on the department is everything and if you have a good reputation, then you do get a chance to go and do these different divisions and do these different things. They'll choose you to, to do this or do that. And, um, I just have always wanted to follow in his footsteps and him to be proud of me. And I think that I have accomplished that. I know he's very proud. Um, I know that, um, I can look myself in the mirror at the end of the day and feel good about what I've done in the community and what I've done as a police officer. Hopefully I've impacted some people in a positive way. Um, and really, especially as a homicide detective of officers killed in line of duty, I just wanted to serve their families. That was very important to me. Um, I think I've gotten very close with most of the families that I've served in the past. Those are relationships that will always be there. Um, but, I just want to leave people with a positive a positive connection or a positive encounter with the police department. That's been something I've really tried to do and strive to do because there is a lot of negativity right now. And so anytime I have a chance to to leave someone feeling more positive about the police department, I try to do that.
0: Well, and I think that's so important. I mean, in the sense when when people know a police officer, if they see bad actors do bad things that happen to have a badge and they say no that's not how police officers are i know angela or i know joe or, or kristen or whoever it is all right. folks you know if, right. if, if i say i know these people that's not how they all are yeah. that, it, that it makes a difference and mm-hmm. so it's interesting because i've talked to folks that, that say a lot of times kind of People who are in policing or law enforcement tend to have their own bubble of people that they're mm-hmm. with. And it also he, he was talking about getting outside of your bubble mm-hmm. uh, to, to to your point, And really having having folks outside of law enforcement and outside of your immediate friend group so that people know, hey, I know Angela. I know Apollo that they're out there doing good things. They're help keeping us safe.
1: Right. And that's one thing with my daughter's school is that we are a very tight knit community and I've become very close friends with all of her friends, parents, and we give talks at the school all the time. And, you know, it's been fun. I have obviously several friends outside the police department, but they call me for everything (laughs) they do. All of my civilian friends do. And it's not, I don't, I don't mind because they know they can trust me. They know I'm there for them. And I hope that I would love for everyone to have an officer in their life like that.
0: I mean, I'm not going to lie. I had someone weird (laughs) on my porch. It was like a whole thing. And I was texting one of my DPD friends. I'm like, yo, what's, what am i supposed to do about this like yeah. It just yeah it, it turned out fine and DVD showed up and it worked out but it was just like this is weird and again it, it was like let me just pick up my phone and text him to see what am i supposed to do because y'all deal with y'all deal with mm-hmm. craziness on a daily basis we do
1: <laughs> it could make you really sour about life and about people and i'm not gonna lie i've had some times in my life where i'm like why is the world like this you know but um when something bad happens, especially after July 7th, the community just stands up and just loves on us. And it's been amazing to see. And I know that the majority of the world is knows they need us, supports us, especially you guys, the Dickey Foundation and just Dickeys in general has always been amazing. Um, but it's it's nice. And you have to remember, you can never lose sight of that. You know, people do love us and we need it and appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. So, if your daughter or one of her friends came to you and said, "Hey, I'm thinking about about going into policing and DPD," what do you tell them?
1: I honestly would tell my daughter the exact same thing that my father told me, and it was basically whatever you want to do. He never steered me this way. He never steered me away from it. He was very much just supportive in whatever I wanted to do, and. It does take a calling. I mean, it has to be something that's in you. And for me, it's been in my blood my whole life. And so I wouldn't be surprised if my daughter does say something like that someday. I kind of would like for her to go and make do something that makes a whole lot more money. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, she's very way smarter than I ever was. Um, so I hope that she just is happy. And I can honestly look back on my career and say, I've done good and I'm happy. It was you know, so far, a very rewarding career. Well, it sounds like it is a family tradition, so it's
0: very possible that go, go, growing up with mom and dad as DPD, this this could be a family tradition. It could be, we'll see, <laughs> we'll definitely see. I love that, I, I think that's fantastic. So you're also involved with Assist the Officer in free time that you don't seem to have. Uh, you, <laughs> you seem very, very busy uh, with, with your family and job and Apollo and everything
1: else. So talk, talk to me about Assist the Officer um, and how you got involved with that. Assist the Officer is a nonprofit organization that is kind of under the DPA, Dallas Police Association, and we just help officers who are struggling um, with any kind of thing, honestly, and not even just officers. And it doesn't have to be Dallas officers, it's firefighters, it's, you know, um, Richardson officers, Garland officers, firefighters, it doesn't matter. Um, but we do help a lot of first responders just with mostly catastrophic health issues. It seems to be the most, the most, important thing that we deal with, or not the most important, but just something that we deal with a lot lately. Um, one thing that we've been helping with a lot since July 7th is counseling services for officers, because the things that we see on the daily basis are not normal. Mm. And, um, we're just learning as I think a society like law enforcement society, how to deal with that better and how we can help each other better learning Um, through counseling and and through different programs um, that we really need to check ourselves too. And we can't be there for anyone if we're not taking care of ourselves. So counseling services is a huge thing for ATO, but it's mostly just helping officers when they need it financially, counseling, um, any kind of program that they may need because they've given so much, we wanna give back. It's basically what it is. Well, and I love,
0: I love that you're all about giving back, and again, another family tradition there. Uh, your, your daughter Kate, you all started your own nonprofit. Tell me about that and what you all do.
1: We did. And it's called Kate's Books. It started because of Santa Cops, which is another Dallas Police Department program that I've been involved in for 20 years. This is going to be my 20th year. And um, we're actually collecting toys for DVD Santa Cops
0: here at Dickies. That's that's where we give our toys okay. uh, for the holidays. So we're, we're familiar and we, we love supporting Santa Cops. What a cool thing that yeah. you all are out there doing.
1: It's a good thing. And we give Santa Cops is a great um, organization because we really target and find families who have been the victim of violent crime, or like their house burned down right before Christmas, or like something you know that's really the family struggling with. Sometimes um, it's just they're down on their luck, and an officer runs across them. But they're all of our families are nominated by officers who have had one on one contact with them when they're having a hard time. And like, I want to put these kids in for Santa Cops, I want this family to get a bunch of toys. Uh-huh. Well, when my daughter was seven years old, she said, why don't we only give toys? Why don't we give books? She just started to learn to read, started to love reading. And um, I was like, you are brilliant. Why did nobody think of that before now? Because <laughs> it takes a seven-year-old. Right? <laughs> and they're innocent minds. <laughs> so she had that idea and we ran with it after that. So we started it... Um, in 2015 and it has just taken off. we have we've been giving to like, we set up a library um, at the mega shelter after hurricane Harvey, we've given to um, libraries that lost their pipe. Like when the pipes burst over the winter storm last February, we supplied a bunch of different school libraries with books. Um, So we just collect gently used books and then sort of pass them along to who needs them the most. But our biggest one is Santa cops because a lot of those kids that are receiving toys don't have access to libraries. And we know that reading is a huge um, fundamental thing for learning. Mm-hmm. So you gotta be able to read and then you can learn
0: anything, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Third grade is actually where they say um, where everything changes. So my, my background, I was previously at preschool and at third grade is the point where you stop learning how to read and you read to learn. And so making sure that the children know how to read and are reading on grade level by that point is a huge thing. Uh, that way they're making sure that they are able to to start to be able to read for that comprehension side. But but what an yeah. amazing thing that, that you and your daughter have, have put together there. It's
1: turned into a fun thing and a fun project for us both to work on together. And her, friends have gotten on board and her school's gone on board and you know we do a lot of um, service hours through Kate's Books and then you know hopefully we're making some sort of impact on some of these kids who might not have access to the library on a regular basis. Sure and so if people want more information about that is there a website they can go to? I do have a website katesbooks.org I also have twitter Cater's books. I have Facebook, Kate's books, um, <laughs> all Instagram, all the social. all the thanks. I love it. We'll just find Kate's books on there. That's
0: fantastic. I love that. So, I mean, you, you've had some pretty incredible experiences uh, in, in your career. Um, can you tell me about one that maybe really touched your heart and maybe one that changed really changed how you're doing things?
1: I will just say that I have to think about all the calls I've been on. There's so many, you know, there's so many for a short time. And I was in patrol. I was on, um, I was on a um, prostitution task force. I was like kind of selected for that because I was a female. Number one, I was younger. I could kind of um, relate to some of these young girls who are out there, you know, you know, doing things they probably don't want to do. But I mean, is that weird when they come and say, we think you can relate to the prostitutes? No, and they didn't even come at me like that. It was more me being like, I think I can. Okay. and, And it was interesting to me how I ended up on one side of things and they would end up on another. Like, how did that happen? You know, obviously they've had very different upbringings and childhood experiences than I had, Mm -hmm. but it was an interesting aspect to me of how, like what went wrong? Obviously some things, um, for us to end up on total opposite sides of the law, so to speak. Mm. Um, but I have one, one young lady in particular that's very near and dear to my heart. Her name's Haley. I won't say her last name. Um, but I know her birthday off the top of my head. i I've, I've met her daughter. Like I, I've, I ran into her so many times in my days in patrol and on the prostitution task force that we became friends and she had my cell phone number. If anything ever happened, like, like a trick or a John was trying to hurt her. She knew she could call me. I was probably on the street anyways, cause I was working, you know? Um, if, she had information on a girl that got murdered because that happened sometimes she would you know she's never i never want to say she's a snitch because she never was but um she just knew who to ask like even if it wasn't her with the information i could still depend on her to help me she was just as good as she could be without being completely straight and narrow but a good heart Mm -hmm. you know and she was only 5 years younger than me and i really connected with her and over the years now it's been 20 years probably since this since our friendship began she texts me today i've been working on getting her her record expunged because she was obviously arrested several times for prostitution that's not her life anymore she has a daughter now who's a teenager a little bit younger than kate she can't even get a regular job She can't even, um, you know, really support her the way that she wants to. Really, once you get that kind of record, your only option is like dancing or, you know, something that's not as up and up as she would like to be. Mm -hmm. And I finally got a message from her today that said that the county is willing to expunge her charges. And that'll change her life. It will change her life. And you helped do that. Yeah. I connected her with the attorney and we just have stayed in contact for 20 years. It's crazy. Like when I look back on it, I'm like, what a cool story that we have. She's helped write a book about it's child trafficking basically is what the book's about sex trafficking. Oh. And she was treated like that. And and she has a, a very um, sad story, but she's kind of come out on the other side and I'm proud to witness it. You know what I mean? Like That's happy remarkable. to be a part of it. That's remarkable. Yeah. What a cool story.
0: It's pretty cool. That's she's, she's the coolest girl. <laughs> that, that is so cool. And I love that I love that you've been able
1: to help her and that she's moving on to her next phase of her life. I think now when she's about to be 40, she's about to be 40. Actually, she just turned 40 in May. She can now finally at 40 years old start the life that she probably wanted all along. But people, bad guys took her into another route. So it is.
0: And I mean, you, you've helped so many people in, in your career who are, who are two or three people who've really made a difference for you?
1: Um, I'm very, very, very close with Heidi Smith, Mike Smith's, um, spouse who was killed on July 7th. I'm very, very close with Crystal Almeida, um, who was the female officer partners with Rogelio Santander. She and I are very close. Um, that young lady is remarkable she's been shot in the head she wakes up basically from that her partner is dead had been buried and she had to then you know go to rehab get her life back learn how to do everything over again um i'm so proud to know her and um she just is to me one of the most remarkable people on the police department and she has an amazing story. And I know that she's going to tell it on the ATO, um, podcast someday, but she's just getting to the point. It's been three years. It's been rough to where she's able to tell her story and that she wants to,
0: because
1: it's traumatic, mm-hmm. you know, I talked to Misty uh, Mr. McBride who was she's shot
0: that amazing. same evening mm-hmm. and she's pretty incredible. But I mean, that that's, there's a lot of trauma that goes on there.
1: A lot of trauma. Um, yeah. And these people could choose to give up and quit and they don't. And it's amazing.
0: Well, and resiliency is one of the things I, I t- I've gotten an opportunity to talk to a lot of, a lot of first responders and resiliency is really just kind of a common theme for all y'all.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. You have to be, otherwise you'll just, you won't be able to function. I mean, and you know, I think God made us this way. Like we're able to bounce back from tragedy You're that's what he wants you to do, I think. And so it's kind of, um, we have to just and we depend on each other a lot we lean on each other a lot we've all been through a lot of really bad things and if we didn't have each other and we didn't have the public support that we do have i don't know what it would look like you know it's kind of scary to think about Mm -hmm. so we need it you know we need each other and we need the community to help us out sometimes so i've got to ask what's next for you I have four and a half years left before I'm fifty <laughs> and I can retire. Happy early birthday. <laughs> and it four and a half years. Um I could technically retire at twenty years, you know, but now that I have this position with Apollo, I feel like I want to finish out my career until I'm 50, do four and a half more years, you know. Hopefully he's healthy and well enough to continue um with this job. And he's young, he's only three and a half, he's almost four. Um, so we have some good years left in us, and then I want to retire and probably do nothing. <laughs> I love that. But I'll only be fifty. So yeah. some people I are mean, like you'll find something to do. Some people are like, come on, you'll only be fifty. And, and in my honest opinion, I love and miss investigations. Mm-hmm. I really, really do. I don't want to go back to that. I don't miss the callback. I don't miss the stress of that. Mm-hmm. Um but I do miss investigations a lot. So potentially, you know, a lot of our guys go and work at different DA's offices once they retire and they kind of start a little second career. I don't know if I will do that. It's still too early to tell, but I don't know if I will just retire. We'll see. <laughs> that's the plan right now. I tell my husband all the time. Okay. I'm done. 50 good. I'm out. So you gotta figure that out. I'm betting you're doing something else. And he's like, <laughs> Come on. yeah, I probably will. All right. So what
0: question have I not asked you that I should have asked?
1: I don't know. I talk so much that I think you don't have to ask anything. I just tell the whole story, right? Um, I don't know.
0: All right. Any other great stories you want to share?
1: Um, I have some that are just not appropriate, though. No, I have so many great stories that are just so not appropriate. <laughs> we'll do that for the after show. It's fine. There'll <laughs> yeah. be wine involved. It'll be good then. Yes. Yes. No, there's so many stories. I mean, I can't even tell you, especially in my vice days, you know, um, you know, just the crazy things that happen and you look back and laugh because you're just like, how did that even go down like that? And why is this guy saying this and what? I don't know. And, and then there's so many heartwarming stories too, of when you, you know, help, hand a baby back to the mom who really could have had a terrible ending and the baby's okay. You know, there's just things that are so rewarding that that happen, and there's things that definitely make you question society, but and for the most part, it's a great job. I mean, it's been very rewarding. It's a great job. And, you know, we're thankful to the Dickies foundation for everything that y'all have done for us. Oh,
0: well I, I love that. And we love that everything that you do. So at the end of all our interviews, I always do bring it over back over to Dickies. So I've got to say, what is your favorite Dickey's meat and favorite Dickey's side? I love chopped brisket.
1: Okay, that's what I get. All right, and then okra, duh. <laughs>
0: I love that fried okra Absolutely. and the ranch.
1: Oh yeah, and then the ice cream cone. There you go. Absolutely, <laughs> I, I love that.
0: I mean, I can eat that like six days a week. I, nothing wrong with that. I got free barbecue coupons for you. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I always finish up with our lightning round. I'm going to give you two choices, and you're going to tell me your favorite. All right. Okay. We start with an easy one: barbecue beans or jalapeno beans. Jalapeno beans. Sweet or unsweet tea? Sweet. All right, I think I know the answer to this one. Chopped or sliced? Chopped. Ris- Chopped. Okay, chops. sauce or no sauce? Sauce. Like yes. all over sauce. All yes. over. Okay, okay. Uh, brisket or full pork? <laughs> brisket. And last but not least, ribs or wings? I don't eat any meat on the bone. Neither. Okay, wow, nobody fixed that. Okra. Okra, Team Okra, got it. (laughs) Y'all, thanks so much for joining us today. My guest today has been Detective Angela Arredondo uh, and her canine partner Apollo. Uh, Thank you so much for keeping us safe here in Dallas and for everything that you do. Thank you for having us.